Hey, it's Freddy Cruz, and I've made it my mission to share with you the stories that make the greater Houston area great. One such story is that of Wasim Halal. Despite growing up in the world of barbecue, Wasim had no intentions of working with barbecue. But as Carl Jung once wrote, what you resist persists. And now he's the chef of Chuck Wagon Barbecue and Burgers. During this episode, we dive into the smell that brought him back to his barbecue roots, his foray into stand-up comedy, and you and I are going to get technical advice from a master on how to make a great burger. You can help me grow the show by subscribing to the podcast, sharing this episode with your family and friends, and by signing up for the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Flo Rida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Yo, let's go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. Well, seem there are a ton of different ways that we can start this conversation okay but the most interesting thing that i've read about you is the empty pickle bucket (laughs) (laughs) so let's start there and go wherever wherever we go sure uh honestly i remember bits and pieces of childhood so i think this one afternoon i was just running like a wild top around the restaurant uh it was middle of lunch rush so something probably around maybe noon or so i just remember i was bothering my dad for something i just kept hitting him on his knee and they got tired of that real quick, so he grabbed me, goes to the back of the kitchen, and he grabs a, a five-gallon bucket, puts me in the five-gallon bucket so I can watch this lady cut fries in the back. And that was the rest of my afternoon. I just remember sitting in this bucket. <laughs> and, and your dad, uh, many props to your dad, because he's like, I mean, if I had to say, he's like on the Mount Rushmore of Houston Restaurant Founders. So which restaurant was this, for context? Uh, this was in Greenway Plaza in the 80s and 90s. It was called Charlie's Barbecue. It was underground in a five Greenway Plaza. Yeah. This is sort of the office buildings in that area. And from there, your your life and your career has gone many different routes. So you got Charlie's, but mm-hmm. then you trained under a, a three-star Michelin chef, and then you did yes, sushi, and now you're at Chuck Wagon. I mean, this is like the epitome of, of Houston <laughs> diversity. Yeah, definitely had a journey uh, going along this, you know. I hated barbecue for the longest. It wasn't for me. Brisket was disgusting and everything to me. So I wanted nothing to do with barbecue. So I studied and did fine dining for a bit. And I was like, yeah, I think this is what I want to do. There was one point at the sushi restaurant where we had a little yakitori grill for happy hour. I would use chunks of hickory wood. And every afternoon when I'd light the hickory, it reminded me of my childhood. That was the same wood my dad used. From that moment, I was like, yeah, I need to go out to Texas barbecue. So life made a full circle at that point, And I'm here where I am today because of that. You hated barbecue, but you're like this uh, pit master barbecue don. Uh, at what point did you realize this is actually going to happen? I'm actually going to follow in dad's footsteps. Was it that moment? Or? Honestly, it was that moment. Like I said, uh, so I enjoyed working at that sushi restaurant. Um, I was in charge of the hot stuff. I was their sushi chef. The hot and, and for listeners, which restaurant is that? Uh, this La was Sintera. Tobio Sushi. It's in La Sintera in Katy, Texas. Yeah. So it's a upper upper echelon uh, sushi spot. They would get fish fresh from Japan weekly. No way. Shipped over. Yes, sir. It was some beautiful stuff that we'd un, un, oh. unbox. And uh, I wasn't used to sushi. Like I said, I was in charge of the hot stuff. So I was there kind of learning and intrigued by the, the raw preparation of things. And there were, weren't many smells in that kitchen because of that. Yeah, yeah. So that hickory is was one of the predominant smells. Like I said, every afternoon I would smell that. That's when it hit. In, in the back of my head. And that can't be understated. You're not supposed to be able to smell fish. 
Right. When you go, not. <laughs> when you go into a grocery store and you smell seafood, <laughs> run for your life. Yeah, for sure. Something is wrong at that point. <laughs> I've been to a few of those places. The ocean smell should stay at the ocean. <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. Oh man. So okay. So I want to go back because um, when you're when you're cooking spicy food, mm-hmm. um, and you gotta you gotta sample what you're doing. So for at sure. one point, does your palate hate your guts? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Yeah, it reaches a certain point every now and then. It's like, okay, we got to step away, cleanse the palate, maybe uh, take a, a sip of water or something, yeah. just cool your stuff down and try to get back to it. Definitely don't want to overpower on spice. Spice will kill the palate on everything else. Then, then you're not tasting anything for the rest of the day, and you're having to run to somebody else. Hey, taste this for me. And you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, this was made with ten ghost peppers and and, and a habanero. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Can you please? I, I don't know if it's hot. <laughs> just let, let me know. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> when we first met, and this was uh, in February. I believe so. Yes. Uh, February at a Girl Scout cookie event. Yes, and uh, yeah, man, that dessert was boss. Now, when you do events like this, do you sell, even if it's only for a limited time, whatever it is you're making? Or is it just like the people get what they get at this place? Uh, so that event, I did I do a few practice runs. I had a few different ideas. The brownie I ended up executing was something that was easy to do and very flavorful. I did have a bunch of extras left. I just handed them out for free, honestly. I was like, hey, do y'all like Girl Scout cookies? And we were just giving out free samples to the customers as they came by. Um, sometimes we do sell the items that we do at pop-ups and stuff like that at those events. But, you know, if it's something that I can just hand out for free, if I'm not going to sell it... Uh, I'm just going to sample it out. It's easiest to do it that way. That was a fun event. It really was. Why is it important for you to get out into the community? Uh, it's doing community work, you know, it feels good at the end of the day. It's a change of scenery for myself. I don't have to be stuck in my kitchen or uh, running out around the restaurant. I can actually, it feels like a field trip, if anything. Yeah. I get to step outside into the real world, introduce my business to other people who have never heard of it. And Help to try to put us on the map and expand our business a little bit. What do you make of all this expansion now? You are in Katy. It feels like this is outer Katy. Like Certainly. OG Katy <laughs> was like Memorial City, right. uh, that area. And then Derry Ashford was like the boonies at one point, probably <laughs> when you were a kid. Sure. Uh, but now this is like... Bullshier area. So, what yes, do you sir. what do you make of all this expansion? Fourteen sixty three is uh, forever under it, construction. It's expanding very rapidly. From my understanding, this was just a two lane road with nothing but grass. And I have a buddy who says you'd be lucky if you saw one car pass by <laughs> the whole <laughs> afternoon. And you know that's changed dramatically since uh, those days for sure. Yeah. I uh, honestly had no idea this part of Katy existed until I found Chuck Wagon myself. I remember a, ah, what was it, man? Piggy Pabeel. I don't know if it was in this They were pot. actually right next door. I believe they were the first tenants that uh, that was the neighbor to this restaurant. Okay, gotcha. And it's been through, I think, maybe five concepts now. This is the fifth concept. Oh, man. This is new concept that's there. Uh, it's uh, Asian dumpling, and I believe they're going to stay for a while. Yeah. But the other five, it was... We kind of felt like that location was cursed. And so I was like, hey, you should expand next door. I was like, no, 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 I don't think I want to touch next door. It's not because we don't want the competition. (laughs) It's because. (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, nobody's lasted. And it's like, oof, yeah, I don't know if I want to dip my feet in there. Yeah, and and there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I don't 
I'm hesitant to say there's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, though, it does make you wonder because there is a spot over on 723. I live about 15, 20 minutes away from, from here. Okay. Uh, pleasantly surprised when I realized just how close you are uh, to where we are, uh, where we live. But uh, there's a there's a place behind the HEB on 723 and 1093. Mm-hmm. And this has been, I think they're on the third restaurant. Oh, wow. The third restaurant in that same pod since COVID. Now, Man. COVID might have been the curse. Sure. You know. It definitely did a lot of people under, which was sad to see. It definitely threw people through hurdles. It was a... It was like a bad game of baseball. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Deal with that. Especially from the restaurateur's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to get a little bit of insight or a lot of insight um, as to how you all managed to make it through the three years of chaos knowing that, you know, <laughs> at, at, no, you're not allowed to come to work. Right. Or now you can go to work, but you're going to work on our terms. Man, it was challenging to say the less. Uh I had I took over May of 2019, and the COVID situation started around February of 2020, so about seven months yeah, or seven, eight months since we had been here. And I remember hearing, all right, no more dining in. I just looked at my dining room empty, and I was like, well, I guess that, that was a fun run. <laughs> you know, so I didn't know what was to come. And all we could do at that point was adapt, you know, uh, adapt and overcome the, the scenario one thing at a time because it definitely was one thing at a time that they were throwing at us all right, dining room's closed now. Now it's pickup only, whatever, you know. So that's what we had to roll with. We were lucky to have been established on a few online platforms beforehand. So that helped us out of the gate a little bit. People were, you know, placing online orders for either delivery, curbside, or pickup, and they would come in and get their orders. I knew a lot of restaurants that were running just to get started with these services so it can help their businesses thrive in that uh, struggling time. Can we shift the conversation to Spike? Spike. Oh, yes, sir. Spike's uh, Memorial Rainbow Dinner. Uh, This is my buddy, Andrew Leeper's dog, and uh, he had seen this idea from another barbecue restaurant where there was a dog that was passing away, so the owners had placed an order for a meal for themselves as well as a final meal for the dog. And the owner ended up throwing in, like, an additional beef rib for the the pup as a, a nice farewell meal. And so when I saw this article and Andrew brought it to my attention, we decided to do something like that for the Katy community ourselves, and so we established this memorial dinner. If somebody has a, a dying dog, they can come in, bring a picture of them, and you know, let us know, and we'll fix them up with some barbecue or a burger as a, a nice little farewell meal for the dog so that they can you know, at least lighten the, their journey out of here, I guess. Yeah, and that was, let me tell you, man, I read that and about bawled my eyes out. It doesn't surprise me that something like this exists, um, but man, when you read when you read the words, you're on the website, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> and as yeah. a dog owner and a dog lover, I mean, it just you know, you'd have to not have a heart to you know. No, oh, for sure, it's, it's definitely something heartfelt. And you know, each time I see a picture or somebody actually brings in their little pup, you know, it's hard, it's a tearjerker for us as well. Do you have dogs? Uh, no, I don't at the moment. I have two cats. Oh, okay. I love dogs though. <laughs> <laughs> what are your cat's names? Uh, Paul and Mocha. Paul and Mocha. Yes, sir. I, I like pets that have everyday human names. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. <laughs> uh, so the way I came up with his name, uh, what's his name? The, the guy that used to play uh, Batman back in the day, uh, Andy West, I believe? Yeah. Okay. The old school 60s one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's on Family Guy. He has a little character on there, Mayor West, I believe. 
And there was one episode where he was running around shooting a bazooka of cats. Uh, I'm sorry, a bazooka of cats? Yeah, he just (laughs) pulls the trigger and cats were shooting out this little bazooka. And uh, he's like, Paul, who names a cat Paul? My cat didn't have a name. I was like, yo, that's hilarious. I'm going to name my cat Paul just because of this. Wasim names the cat Paul. That's who. (laughs) Exactly. It's it's, it's an awesome name. He responds to it. We don't have that many Pauls come by the house, so it's easy to respond to my cat. Now, do you talk to do you talk to cats? Because mm. I don't have a cat. I, sure. It's been a long time. I was a little kid when I had a cat, and then I got aler- magically allergic to it. Um, but do you talk to your cat the way uh, humans, uh, the way we talk to dogs, like, <laughs> like as if we would talk to an infant? Or do you, you could they come and look at you stupid and maybe give you a little head turn? And yeah. most of the time, they're not even going to listen. They're they're, they're pretty buttholeish about what they want to listen to honestly yeah they're not into it they're like just shut up already man pretty much it's it's on their time so whatever they want they do it yeah um and and so okay because i'm fascinated with cats i do work with citizens for animal protection what's up to sandy and the crew and so i've got this uh whole newfound appreciation for the feline species Mm -hmm. and they are adorable and i guess there are certain breeds I thought they were all, I just thought they were all the same. And so I'm like, well, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not going near any of you guys because I'm allergic, but True. I'm finding out that there are some certain breeds and I don't know exactly. I just know that there's certain cats mm-hmm. that I don't get the itchy eyes and, and the sneezes sure. and the itches from. I believe, yeah, there is a few hypoallergenic yeah. uh, breeds out there I've heard of myself. Yeah. I'm not too positive on what they are, but I've, right. I've heard of that as well. Yeah. So as I'm uh, learning uh, to reacclimate and re-socialize with, with felines. I, I, I'm obsessed. I like them now. And so, um, I gotta know, do you, do you feed, do you feed, your, can you feed your cats? <laughs> Someone, what you got here? Chuck wagon, or is that a no? Uh, no, I think it might be too heavy for them or too greasy. And, uh, I think cats' uh, digestive systems is sensitive enough as it is. Yeah. So I just try to keep it as simple as, as Maybe possible. Maybe when you were at the sushi place, you'd be like, hey, here's the <laughs> here's some cat trim. Here's, here's a little <laughs> salmon for you. Japanese salmon, fresh <laughs> off the boat. Right. <laughs> oh, they man. definitely do smell fish. Like, it's something about fi- anything seafood. Cats pick it up like that and they'll run to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun, yeah. You know, I learned, a, I learned a, a while back, man, that if it wasn't for cats, uh, we'd have, like, the plague, oh, man. because uh, I guess they cat. You know, we're, we're here. We are in the West, obviously, mm-hmm. and so I guess in in other places and earlier in human history that that's how they got. They ate the rats and they ate the vermin and, and seven. It, it would makes make sense. sense, right? They help uh, keep that down. Yeah, that's man. crazy if you think about it. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, and that was when I first first because you know when you find out that you're allergic to cats, you're like, yeah, get away from me. I don't like you. And then that was when I first started to like cats again. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, so I guess we do need them. Okay, yeah, you're cute. Uh, right. And then you see Puss in Boots on Shrek, and you're like, oh, you with the eyeballs and, you know, the big glassy uh, globes in his face, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh, they're fun. For, for me, I consider it like a little tiger in your living room. Yeah. That's what it is, and they'll run around, say they catch a fly or start to catch a fly. Just kung fu cats all of a sudden they're <laughs> jumping and doing all these moves and it's free entertainment basically you uh talk to your cats after a long day of work at the restaurant <laughs> there's not much talking really. <laughs> you know if uh they run up and sit on my lap and i can pet them and they start purring that's all i need you know? yeah yeah um i want to go back to your relationship with your family mm-hmm. uh growing up as a kid 
in this fine dining city? And is there any one particular memory that has uh, really stuck with you as far as uh, cooking technique or just business practices uh, throughout your journey? I definitely learned a great bit of knowledge from culinary school itself. And uh, I tried to absorb as much knowledge as I could during that time. I was pretty big headed as I felt like I was kind of untouchable. I don't know. Mm. So I did come off as a bit of a dick to a lot of the students (laughs) and the staff. I mean, you kind of have to be, if you're going to be a restaurateur, it's such a competitive scene. You're in Texas and it's barbecue. Right. No, it's definitely something. And, um, I definitely like training under uh, Chef Enrico Galuda, who was the three-star Michelin chef. I worked with him under at the Hotel Grand Duca in the Galleria area. I learned quite a bit of knowledge from him himself. I just try to absorb everything like a sponge. Whatever he would talk, I would just stop and listen and pay attention because that knowledge was worth its weight in gold. And to this day, I still use a lot of the stuff that I've heard these people say to me or what's been practiced to me, and I practice that to my staff and try to better their knowledge as well. Can you talk about like one thing, like a principle, or is that like a, a secret kind of uh, like a club? Like, okay, you know, you got to be behind the kitchen to hear this, dude. It's it's a few basic tips that help you out throughout. Like one major thing, when people are sautéing, they tend to overstuff their pan. Let's say like you're sautéing onions or something. Mm. The pan will be stuffed with onions. You're not sautéing anymore at that point because of so much stuff. Now it's creating steam, and you're actually steaming. You're not going to get that golden color that you want or that char on whatever you're trying to saute because now yeah. you got water introduced into the dish. Now we're steaming. We're no longer browning. So that is a major thing. Don't overcrowd your saute pan. That's like a rule number one. We learned that, I think, first week in culinary school. Don't overcrowd your saute pan. If anything, split it into two saute pans. Yeah. That way you're for sure sauteing and browning, that, getting the brownish that you want, not necessarily steaming. Seems like it would also unevenly cook the things if, there's, if you got stuff stacked. Definitely would. The bottom gets more heat than the top yeah. versus, you know, the water hits this part and not that part. This part's brown. This part's still white. It definitely uh, throws a, a wrench in the, in the system. Okay, man, this, is my, this may or may not be a curveball, but why the heck am I screwing up my baked sweet potato fries? What the hell, man? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a process on it. So um, I'm sure you're not blanching it which might help. Uh, so you fry it for about a good two to three minutes at 250. Okay, so, so okay, going back to blanching. Blanching is a two-step cooking process. Oh, God. So we okay. do it at 250 for about two, three minutes, pull them out, let them cool down completely, crank the heat up of the fryer to 350, and then try another two to three minutes. That should ensure that the inside is getting cooked yeah. as well as the outside, and it's going to crisp rather than just turn into a soggy brown Raw on the interior mess. Freddy's sweet potato fries. <laughs> and it works the same way on regular fries. You know, I remember back in the day at home style fries. Yeah. Sitting here eating these very brown strips with raw centers. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like. It's the worst. It is. It definitely is. And that's really all it is. You got to just break it down into a two-step cooking process, and that should eliminate half the problem right there. And, of course, you use the word fry, so that mm-hmm. means don't bake it. You could bake. You yeah. could definitely bake. Uh, okay. You could use a little... Uh, the oil sprays, just to put a little oil in the mix or even toss it in a little, like, teaspoon of oil or so. That would still work. I would do it on a one of those wire racks in the oven that allows the air to go throughout so you have air going to the bottom as, as well as on top. Your oven then becomes the air fryer that the air fryers are now today. 
<laughs> so all you got to do is use your oven. You don't Pretty really much. need to buy the air fryer. No, I, you don't. No idea. An air fryer is really just a countertop oven. It's smaller, <laughs> if anything. So if you need something smaller, you're trying to save a little electricity, sure. But the fascination of, oh my God, put it in the air fryer. Yeah, you've had your oven forever, man. <laughs> this is revolutionary. <laughs> you're breaking heads, man. <laughs> it's That's like the it. toaster oven. Uh, what? Just Pretty use much. the oven, dude. <laughs> I'm saying there's so many appliances out there and they get you with these ads and oh you can do this with that well yeah but you've had this other thing that does it for years but you've never bothered trying it yeah 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 yeah. or the 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 mini choppers like here's a novel idea use your knife that's it pick up a knife and get some knife skills watch a few YouTube videos cut yourself a little bit you'll be okay if you listen to this no don't cut yourself don't just cut yourself. use okay, use the use the tool that's where the experience comes in don't cut yourself man I've got bad luck with a peeler though dude I remember oh, I've seen some accidents with peelers in myself I had no idea those could be so sharp bro yeah man I'm gonna slice my finger off definitely I've seen fingernails come off with those things Jeez. it's something serious you definitely gotta watch what you're doing with peelers yeah uh, some of them do have safeties on them, but it'll still safety can only do so much. For yeah. You. Well. Okay. So so this was years ago. And I don't even know. Can you still see? You might not be able to see it anymore. It was it was visible for at least a year, two years. I could barely make it out. You probably couldn't sure. make it out. I, I only only because it's my finger. Do I know right, it's right. there? But uh, we were peeling beets mm-hmm. at home. That's, oh, probably the fir- that's probably also the first problem is that I'm sure. peeling beets. Yeah, and that's a very rough exterior right there. <laughs> yeah, so I'm peeling beets, and then my daughter was doing something. She was a little girl at the, at, at the time. I'm like, hey, cat, no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it was Gosh. like, it looked like a murder no, scene. The, probably blended in with the beets, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Oh, God. But it wouldn't stop. You know, I'm driving myself to the ER down over here off of 1093. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, and then this is what made it worse. Mm. This is what made it worse. So the doctor, a very nice man, is uh, stitching me up, and he's got a, a brand new ER nurse with him, and she's standing back. She's like, oh, I can't watch. I can't watch. Honey, you are in the wrong profession. Seriously. <laughs> if you can't watch your boss stitch up a wound, and just you wait until a gunshot victim comes man. in. <laughs> right. <laughs> the wrong profession for sure. Wrong she must profession. have skipped a lot of class. <laughs> I mean, right. It's like, wait, wait a minute. I've got to watch people get stitched. <laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs> You guys have anything like that going like in the back of the kitchen or? Yeah, we did have one guy cut himself really bad, uh, slicing God. up some green onions. We used to have the front staff do a little prep, and that was the last time I let front staff do prep. <laughs> no, I just let my kitchen guys handle all the prep. First yeah, time was the last time. Young kid slicing up some green onions and uh, ended up slicing a good portion of his thumb. Gosh. So we had to take him to a little uh, urgent care and get yeah. him fixed up. I wasn't here at the moment. If I was, I would have super glued him and he would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> that medical bill was hefty. And I'm telling you, what did they do? They ended up super gluing the kid's thumb. So Get out. <laughs> $1 versus the number of dollars it costs. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll super glue next time. Like they've really literally super glued. At a certain point, that's all they can do. If it's the part that's not stitchable or anything. So it was that bad. It wasn't just a, a, a cut with a bunch of blood. Because, I mean, your extremities, as I understand, your extremities do bleed mm-hmm. a little more, right? For sure. But, like. The principle is just. Get the blood to stop, seal it up, uh, clean it up and seal it. What was that call like? Hey, Wasim, we have an issue. <laughs> Personally, is, is his thumb still there? That was my main concern. Like, please just tell me it's at least connected. 
You know, and uh, so it was. He's lucky he still has his thumb, which is good. Oh, jeez. But, yeah, like I said, ever since then, I don't let any of the front staff do any cutting. Uh, if I see him with a knife, I'm like, please put the knife down, step away, go out to the front. We got this for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, okay, so that was the, the first time was definitely the last time. No green onions, man. That's and, it. I mean, that's that's actually an easy that's an, that's an easy thing to slice, too. Yeah, it is. I remember how I asked him how it happened, and he goes, uh, I was practicing technique and running the knife, and he forgot to tuck his finger. He was just practicing before he even <sighs> cutting the onion. Left his thumb out and just ended up practicing on his thumb. <laughs> so you're sp- yeah, you're supposed to like almost like a like you're throwing a knuckleball. Definitely, tuck you always want to tuck back. those fingers yeah. in and have the yeah. blade going against the knuckles. Yeah, yeah. he wasn't practicing that. <laughs> Jeez, oh man, that's rough, dude. Oh yeah. Okay, so here we are in uh, the middle of summer, and it's hot as hell. Oh, and yeah. uh, I want to know from the burger master chef, what is the most underrated burger technique that people listening can utilize at home when they are grilling with their family and friends? So I, don't know, I remember all around my childhood, we'd always go to barbecues and at the park and whatnot. You get this hockey puck of a ground beef patty. They're always so thick. And I learned this trick where you depress the center of the patty to inwards, and that helps it not plump up as much. So you have a thinner patty. And actually, uh, I wrote up a stand-up joke about this <laughs> to depress the patty in the center. I was like, what are you supposed to talk, uh, talk crap to the cow? Like, <laughs> your parents didn't like you. Move over. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's a helpful tip. Some people will tell you put an ice cube in the middle rather than depress. Never heard that. I don't believe in the ice cube. I don't like that. You're putting water into the mix. Yeah. I would just rather press the center of the patty. If you can, smash burgers are all the rage these days, and they're easy. If you got a flat top or something you can smash that patty on, you get a nice sear. It cooks up quick, and people tend to love smash burgers. But when you smash it, the key is to do it when it's raw. You don't smash Definitely. it when it's cooking because, as I understand, mm-hmm. the juices get out. For sure. So if you are just cooking like a standard patty that's already shaped, the more you squeeze it, the more natural juices are going to run out. You don't want to do that too much. That's You're just killing juices at that point. Uh, smash, you would have your ball, put it on the grill, maybe give it about 20, 30 seconds. Then you can apply the pressure, smash it, uh, give it about a good minute or so. It should have a nice crust. Then you flip it over. Making me hungry. Now, I got to ask you mm-hmm. about Juicy Lucy's. I don't do these often, but I love the idea of a burger stuffed with cheese. Oh, yeah. Um, what's, the, what's the secret to getting it to where it, everything cooks properly and the cheese isn't leaking out, so you get that cheesy surprise? On that, you just have to work on getting a nice thin layer of beef for the bottom, mm-hmm. stuffing it with the cheese. You don't want to go thick. The moment you go thick is where you're going to ruin everything. Thick with the cheese. Thick with the meat itself. Oh, with the meat. Yeah. Right. So as long as that meat is somewhat thin and you're able to close it around the edges with the cheese in the center, I think you should be good to go on that part. And you're talking razor thin, like probably no... I would say maybe a little over quarter. I'd say between a quarter and a third inch, Mm. somewhere around Mm -hmm. that thickness. Mm -hmm. If you go thicker, I believe it's just going to take more time and then you might end up with unmelted cheese in the middle or whatnot. What kind of cheese do you like with a Juicy Lucy? Or, or any burger, for that matter? Oh, man. if it, I'm making a Juicy Lucy. Honestly, some Mexican cheeses go really nice, like a Oaxaca. Yeah. Or like a Monterey Jack would work lovely on something like that. Can't go wrong with cheddar, either. American cheddar, aged, could add some nice meltiness to it as well. 
I want to go back to something you had just casually mentioned. Thought I came into this conversation prepared. Had no idea you did stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah, so I did that. Uh, I want to get back up. I've done one open mic. I bombed miserably. It's still on YouTube. <laughs> if, you, if you search my name with Simhinad, you'll still find my five-minute clip on there. It was horrible. When you say I, bomb, are you talking booze or crickets or both? Uh, there was no booze. It was mostly crickets, to be honest. <laughs> Which is uh, worse. Yeah, it really was. So I remember I took a bunch of notes, and I was supposed to rehearse with my buddy, and yeah. never rehearsed. And uh, <sighs> it, it's cringe, man. I watched it maybe last year again with one of my buddies, and I was like, did I really just say this? What the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there on stage with a clipboard reading my jokes. Off. I'm like, oh, no. That, that makes it even less funny. Like, dude, what are you doing? You were like the Joker in Joker. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and then like, I could feel the frustration. Nobody's laughing, and I'm messing up. Uh, I, at one point, I just rip a page off and I'm like, All right, next page. <laughs> and you were about to go, Joker. <laughs> Pretty much. You are you guys going to laugh today? <laughs> you are going to laugh or else. <laughs> oh, man. What was the joke? Can you remember? Or do you even want to relive that moment? Uh, I mean, we're kind of reliving it already. Well, I, I, do ha- I do have one joke I remember from that one and I liked it. All right, we'll see. It was, uh, I had asked a girl out to, to coffee. Okay. And she said, I'll keep you in the know. That's K N O W. But then she never did let me know. So I guess that was a no. And oh. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was the hook, line, and sinker at the time. But it's, it's, it's still not that this good. This isn't a pity laugh. It's a dad joke. I love dad jokes. <laughs> yeah, I think I got a lot of those. <laughs> you should start an Instagram account. <laughs> right. The burger dad joke guy. <laughs> why not? Why, why the heck not? <laughs> we'll try it out. <laughs> I mean, I would have laughed at that. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you got to believe me, bro. I'm <laughs> but I mean, you really want to get back out there and do a, do another round? Like I do. A- I do. I just need to honestly write down some material and actually practice it and go out yeah. there and put forth another effort. It's something fun. I've always just had fun making people laugh and whatnot. Yeah. Like, why not just be silly with it? You know? Yeah. Right now, there's somebody who... Probably watched the YouTube video, gave the thumbs down. They're assholes, <laughs> by the way. But you know what? They they, they haven't tried stand up for sure. They haven't tried that. They didn't. They lack the courage, the testicular fortitude to get up in <laughs> front of it. people, put themselves out there. You said it. <laughs> I'll say your testicular fortitude. <laughs> I love it, man. And you know what's funny about that clip on YouTube is uh, we ended up going to California for one week, and my phone just starts getting blown up with notifications. Oh man! And I was like, Yo, what's going on? And it was that video. Somebody shared it to like Epic Fail Blog or something. Dude, I got like maybe 20,000 views off of that link. I was like, wow. Now I'm bombing really well. Man, you might as well like start telling really bad jokes. Maybe you get yourself monetized on you. At this point, it's not a bad idea. Another, another stream of income. That's it. Good Lord have mercy. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know, with AI, with AI coming out, man, you just write some. Hey, write me a burger joke. Oh man, that yeah. won't be a dad joke. That won't get me booed <laughs> off stage. Might get us somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. Oh man, this is great, dude. Um, what is your big ask of people who are new to Houston and experiencing this world class restaurant scene for the first time? I would just say take everything with an open mind. Don't live in this closed box that you're used to. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. Yeah, like, you know, as a kid, I used to hate okra. I used to hate eggplant. I eat them now. I tolerate them, and I actually love them in certain dishes. 
just because you've had it a bad way from your parents or somebody else doesn't mean it's bad from the, the whole other part of the world. You don't know about preparation until you try something. I always tell people, start with a bite. You never know what could happen. It might change your whole life. Your palate might change. Oh, I actually like this now. You're never going to know until you try it again. And there's a lot of ignorance out there and closed-mindedness towards food, and I hate it. To me, it's childish. If you don't eat this, okay, yeah, go, go have some dino nuggets. But, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I feel like if people were to, you know, expand their horizon a little bit and try some stuff outside of the box, yeah. you know, you never know what you're going to end up liking. And you never know where it'll lead you in life. Like, it'll lead oh, you certainly. to accepting multiple different cultures or take you, lead you to tr- wanting to travel someplace and explore the exactly. world in a way that you never imagined. Right, just, just off of one little bite. Yeah. And that's the awesome thing about Houston is how international we are, and you can try many different foods, Vietnamese, Mediterranean, Mexican, and all the different Hispanic cultures that we have, which is a, it's a blessing, honestly, you know, to have all these in one area. Dude, on Westheimer... And this is like the most Houston thing I have ever seen to this day is that there is a Sri Lanka Mexican restaurant. (laughs) Now, I've never been there, but I'm like, you know, curious and one day I'll go. Mm -hmm. But it's like, dude, that that's Houston, man. No, it definitely is. Uh, It's a whole lot of people from different cultures that own (laughs) restaurants that don't make sense. It's uh, it works. Yeah. I know a Nigerian family that owns an Italian restaurant. They're, they're doing it. You know, their food's good. Yeah. <laughs> Life is random, man. I love it. Hey, Syrian-American, yes, Texas sir. barbecue, baby. Exactly. And it works. Yes, sir. Beautifully. We used to have people walk in, what does Syrian know about barbecue? I was like, get a plate, you let me know. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yes, sir. My scene, my man. I love it. Thank you so much for inviting me into your space and for this conversation. Appreciate it as well. <laughs>